This is Daily Path Podcast. I'm your host, podcast coach, and transformational speaker, Joe Winters Jr. Now I've been in this business a long time. God gave me the gift of a strong mind. And when I step foot on a path, the good and the bad, they just come by. Never done trying. I do it, I do it. Till each time I do it, it's done right. Ooh. And God left his signature on me. So how could I ever be unsigned? See, everyone has got a gift. Not anonymous, but God given. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Daily Path Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Winters Jr. And today I am joined by Kalani Donna, an executive and career coach for Level 5 Partners. Correct. Yes. Okay. And y'all's vision is to help individuals, teams, and organizations master their energy projection so they can develop deeper connection despite being physically separated. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Definitely. Um, so today I would like to talk about um, energy projection, bridging the generational gap in leadership, as well as, you know, kind of best practices that y'all use in building um your business at level five partners. Um, so first, uh, for those that don't know, can you please tell us why is um, mastering um, energy projection important for building a deeper connection with others? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. Do you know how sometimes when, when you're speaking to certain people, you connect really well with them and then with other people, it kind of, there's a bit more friction there. Have you ever had that experience yes, before? Absolutely. Yeah, so what we found is that comes from us coming from a different place of showing up in the world as individuals, and we've created this structure called the five energies, which I won't go too much into right now, um, but it's, it's essentially a way of understanding how we show up in the world and how we show up beyond our just who we are physically, how we see the world, how we interpret the world, and especially when it comes to speaking with other people and connecting with other people. We found that when you're able to shift, consciously shift your energy into the same energy that other people are in, you're able to connect a lot better, work together a lot better, um, and, and having that awareness and being able to shift wherever you want to is going to allow you to become a more well-rounded person. Mm, I like the way you put that. Now, can you, some people believe in this saying, like, fake it until you make it. And like, what's your take on that when it comes to energy projection? Would you say that that's what shifting to different energies look like? Or would you say that that's not necessarily what it looks like? Like, how would you kind of go about um, shifting from one energy to the next? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. So fake it till you make it has been a big saying in my life, actually. Um, I come from a from an athletic background and growing up, all of my coaches used to say, just just show up like you're you're the best athlete out there. Fake it till you make it. Pretend you're the best, even if you're not. And eventually you'll you'll work your way up there. And to me, what fake it till you make it has always meant is it's ultimately just a form of practice is showing up in a different way than you have before. And to just keep doing that continually until you're able to become that version of yourself mm. naturally. And so I think when it comes to energy projection, it starts out with the fake it till you make it idea where you do kind of have to push yourself out of that that comfort zone and, and really try to, to connect with other people in a different way and even with yourself in a different way. Um, but over time, I think it does become a little more natural and then eventually you, you hit that make it part. Mm, that makes sense. So in a sense, like it sounds like it's not really fake it till you make it. It's more so um, really just doing your best to be who you want to be until you're good at being that person, right? Yeah. As opposed to, you know, um, I guess, compromising in a sense, or 
ultimately actually being fake like you know acting as if you like someone that you don't like or acting yeah. as if you're does that make sense like or, or or would you or is that not what you're saying no absolutely it, it's definitely I think what you're saying is that it comes from a place of, of authenticity and, and genuineness a little mm -hmm. bit right is it's not entirely just pretending you're someone you're not but rather adjusting yourself bit by bit uh, while still holding on to who you are, just changing that slightly in order to to connect with other people or yourself. Mm, that makes sense. So, um, what are what are the steps that y'all teach? Um, you know, you mentioned earlier the five energies. So, what what are you know, if you don't mind sharing, what are those five energies, and and what what does that look like? Yeah, that's that's a good question. So it's based on a, a spectrum. There's an up and down, and then a right to left as well. Oh. Um, and at each point, there are the four energies on the outside, and then there's one in the middle, uh, which we call neutral, okay. since it's the center of all of them. Right. Uh, the, the first one to make it easy is the up and down. The one that goes up is light energy. The one that goes right. down is heavy energy, which is pretty much just a, a grounding form of energy. Mm -hmm. And then we have the right and left. We have one side, which is determined energy, which is the very forward moving, get stuff done, mm -hmm. um, you know, go getter attitude. And then inviting, which is very empathetic, inviting people in, hearing others' perspectives and, and ideas. Um, and all of us project all five of those at different points in our lives with different people in different areas um, and none of them is, is better than the other, but being able to, to shift through all of them is kind of the key. Mm, that makes sense. So when you say none of them is better than the other, which I, I could see why you would say that, would you say that there is, um, there is times where um, you should be projecting one versus the other? Yes, definitely. I think in, in my experience, it really comes down to one, what you're doing and two, what you want to get out of it. Because mm -hmm. though none of the energies are necessarily better than the other, certain ones can be more useful in different situations. Mm -hmm. So for example, if I'm trying to finish a task that I really don't want to do, I'm going to want to be in more determined, maybe even heavy energy to make sure that I can hold myself accountable, which is where the, mm -hmm. the heaviness is. Right. And being able to push myself, which is the determined energy, rather than being in this this place of fun, you know, easygoing right. with the light and the, the inviting. How do you discern that um, you you need to shift into that energy? And then how do you personally um, shift into that energy for someone who's like, man, yeah, I need to hold myself more accountable and I need to be, you know, I need to be on the ball instead of being loose and relaxed. Like, um, what would you say um, for as far as discernment, like knowing that it's the time versus maybe it's not the time? And then what are your practices for shifting to that particular energy? Mm -hmm. I think in your question, you hit the nail on the head of, of how do you know when it's time? Is It is that feeling of, oh, this is what I'm doing. It's not working. I want to be doing this instead. And we all have those moments in, in all areas of our life. And I think that's a common experience, right? And right. yet, Oftentimes it can be really difficult for us to change what we were doing habitually and maybe, you know, for so many years that, that we've been doing every single day to something entirely new. That can be a really uncomfortable and difficult experience to shift. And so the five energies is essentially just a system to help you do that a little bit easier. Right. How can and, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, that's okay. I was just going to say, as for me in my practice, um, something that I've taken away from my own coaching experience actually is 
Um, and this is something I, that I, I took from my coaching course. I did it through an organization called Newfield. Um, and they, they coach on this understanding that there are kind of three parts that make up who we are. It's our body, our emotions, and our language. And essentially all three of those are the same thing. It's, it's mm. kind of a cyclical pattern. And what I found from my practice is each one of us have one of those three, maybe two of those three that we really resonate with. And for me, it's my body. Mm. So for me to shift something somatically is going to be what allows me to break patterns and shift into a different form of energy. Mm. So when I notice that I'm out of alignment with a certain energy and I want to shift into another, I'll physically stand up and yeah. either, you know, Try, try and imagine my, my energy moving in a certain direction into, you know, whichever, whichever way I feel would serve me. Mm, that's interesting. How, so now that that's for, that's for the, uh, is that for any energy you want to shift into, or is that specifically in the industry, the energy of determination? For any energy. Mm, okay. Well, could you, if, if I'm sure it's so you said for you, that's what you like to do. Um, have you ever encountered someone who, for them, they're different and they would use a different approach? And if so, do you mind sharing? Yeah, for sure. What I found is, is for me and my experience, I find that my needing to shift energy often comes for me changing my own habits. That's where I found the most of, of my need to shift has come from. But a lot of the people I work with have the need to shift their energy in order to either get along better with someone or to stop letting other people's energy affect them. Right, and right, right. so what I have found with them is, um, and not everyone connects best with, with their body, right? And that's, right, that's right. the thing I was mentioning earlier. And a lot of people, it's, it's the language, it's the, the emotion side of things. And so to really, to understand, you know, which emotions am I feeling right now? And which emotions would I ultimately like to be feeling, you know, mm. if I, if I was in the perfect situation and same thing goes for language, you know, how am I speaking about this now? How would I like to be speaking about it? And then being able to, to shift yourself from the now to the, the next, next piece where you want to be. Mm, so actually, I guess just speaking into existence, almost how you would like to feel or, or what you would like to do or what you would like to achieve. Is that kind of what you're referring to? Yes, that's exactly it. And I found the reason that that works is because that, as I was talking about that cyclical pattern with the, the language, emotion, and, and body, is right. if you use the language, so the speaking into existence idea, that's going to change the emotions that show up for you, and it's going to change the way your body posture is, mm -hmm. and that's going to allow you to see a whole bunch of different opportunities that were already there, but just weren't necessarily in your field of view yet. Mm, interesting. Okay. So I know that. Um... One of the topics you love to speak on is bridging the generational gap in leadership. And um, I, I found that very interesting because me being a young leader myself, it's like, there's definitely a generational gap in leadership. <laughs> there's definitely a generational gap in leadership. And um, what I have found in my experience is that um, some older leaders don't necessarily believe so, or um, it, there is this idea that, well, it's because millennials don't like to work or it's, you know, oftentimes it seems like, at least in my experience, that the younger generations are, you know, um, identified as like less ambitious, not as hardworking, don't know what they're talking about, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I would like to know in, in your experience, 
like what have you noticed to be the um generational gap in leadership like what are the issues that you see that cause the generational gap in leadership yeah i i actually i find it really interesting that you mentioned as a young leader you've noticed the generational gap but yet in your experience find that the older leaders may not as much because <laughs> i've experienced the exact same thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay yeah it, it's it's very it's very interesting and, and i think um I think a main main part of that comes from our ability to communicate with each other. I'm I'm very big on communication, and I find human communication really fascinating. Um, and then bringing the understanding of the five energies into that too kind of creates a, a little bit more of a perspective on that as well, which I can talk about a little bit later too. But um, I think ultimately it comes down to the difference in our habits, as you mentioned. You know the Gen X and Gen Y, no, it's Gen Y millennials. I think Gen Y is millennials. Yeah, yeah. Gen Y, Gen Y is millennials. Yeah, Gen yeah, X is like between us and baby boomers, I believe. Yes, that's right. Gen X yeah. and baby boomers are—they um, communicate very differently, and they have a different system of working, but also of understanding, for a lack of a better word, the hierarchy of of the workplace. They they mm. see you know when people in leadership positions are leaders. People who are, are in junior positions have to work their way up there mm. to be recognized and to have their voice heard. Mm. Um, and of course, this, this is a generalization. All, all people in that generation are like that, but um, certainly in most. And whereas the younger generations were, were taught to see everyone as a leader, that we all have the potential mm. to be a leader and we all have this amount of wisdom that we can share and perspectives that we can bring to the table. And a, a strong value for us is wanting to be heard, mm. wanting to be understood, right. Right. Um, and seeing kind of that equal and fair treatment. So I think having those two very different views of how the workplace should function kind of creates mm. a bit of a bit of clashing there. Mm. You know that it's it is I I agree with you there, and it's interesting you say that because, um, yeah, the 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 most or I wouldn't even. A percentage of I'll say that a percentage of the baby boomer leaders that I know, um, yes, to them leadership is based on more so a title. It's based on a position that's held. It's not based on influence, and um, that definitely can create, uh, you know, disengagement from younger individuals in their organization. And uh, you know, I, I love how you also mentioned that it was a generalization. It wasn't the, you know, entire generation because uh, I, one of the leaders I like to study from is John Maxwell. And he mentions how um, there's, there's five levels of leadership uh, that he has um, broke or codified leadership into. And the lowest level of leadership is the level of leadership that most older leaders believe in, which is, um, it's based on rank. People follow you because they have to follow you. So um, this is a matter of, you know, you sign someone's paycheck. That's why they listen to you, right? Mm -hmm. That's level one leadership. You're someone's parent and, you know, your child is um, not an adult. So they have to listen to you. Whereas um, you have level two leadership, people follow you because they want to. Level three leadership, people follow you because of what you've done for them, level four leadership, people follow you because of what you've done for the organization as a whole. And then level five leadership, people follow you because of who you are, the core values you hold, what you stand for, et cetera, et cetera. And he coins that um, level of leadership as the pinnacle 
of leadership. And he also goes on to say that um, each, um, just because you're a level five leader to one person, doesn't mean that you're a level five leader to someone else, right? Because your, you know, your um, leadership influence or your leadership positioning is it changes from one person to the next. And a lot of it has to do with the relationship you hold with them. Um, from what I'm hearing um, you say too, it has to do with the energy that you project um, towards the individuals that um, you come in contact with. And so uh, I do find it interesting that John Maxwell, he's like, he's in the senior generation and he, he, and he has that understanding of leadership, which I, I find very interesting. Um, but like, what's, what's your, do you have any, any um, experience with the five levels of leadership codified by John Maxwell by any chance? I haven't heard of, of that by him before, um, but definitely I think I, I resonate with that. It's a lot of the work that we do at level five, um, even without hearing his work necessarily. Um, I mm. think that is a huge part of leadership. The biggest mm. piece that stood out to me was the part that you're you know, not going to be everyone's favorite person. Right. Uh, you're not going to be you know, the best leader for, for every single person in, in your organization. And that's actually a huge piece that, that we work on with uh, trust. Right now, we're kind of really into this big project into, into trust and creating what we call aligned trust um, in an organization. And, and that piece is huge is that even though one person may see you as the best leader in the world and trust you immensely, the next person may be the complete opposite, right? right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's why it's, it's important to, to be open, you know, yeah. uh, definitely important to be open. So um, I, I would like to know, with that being said, and, and you having this um, incredible awareness about the generational gap in leadership, what do you do to um, bridge that um, generational gap, whether that's at, you know, your workplace um, or in your communities? and uh, so on and so forth yeah that's a great question so i think there are kind of two pieces to this as it comes from both the person who's who's wanting to take the initiative for you know creating that that balance and then also for the person on the receiving end of that mm -hmm. um so coming from my perspective being in one of the younger generations what we found is and i of course love to use the five energies into this because that's something that that has worked for me um, and what we found is that the younger generations tend to show up to work with more of a, a light, inviting energy, um, you know, being very excited about, you know, things that light them up rather than, right. you know, doing the, the mundane tasks that they feel they have to do to, you know, or earn respect or, or whatever else there is. Right. And while older generations come more from a place of determination and heaviness where, mm. as I mentioned, they, they have to get the things done, they have to work their way up the ladder, they have to do things, mm. you know, maybe the... A slower way and then earn respect of people above them until they can get their voice heard mm. uh, and and something else in the five energies that's important to to note too is that the two opposites so the heavy and the light and the determined and inviting if one person is at one end of the spectrum and the other person is on the complete opposite there's going to be a lot of clashing because mm. they do not see eye to eye at all and so we see this problem in the generational gap with the younger generations being on one side and the older generations being on the complete opposite. And so for me, from, from my understanding is, is the person initiating this change has to be willing to step into the other person's shoes ultimately, to be able to come from that place of determination and heaviness in, in this case, but also to allow that other person 
to be in their determination and heaviness to mm. allow them to project their own energy while still being able to project your own without being affected uh, by mm. their you know, it, I, I, it's almost like you read my mind with that final piece, because I was just, I was about to ask you, you know, how does one do that without compromising their mental health? How does mm -hmm. one do that without, you know, being affected negatively? Like, do you have any practices or principles that you have found works best for that? Yeah, and, and that's where we find the, the ability to shift in and out of an energy to be so important is because though we want to bring that determination and heaviness when we're communicating with that person, we don't want to be in that state if that's not the state we, we perform best in. We don't want to be in that state for the entire day that we're at work because right. as you mentioned, that can take a significant toll on, on your mental health, on your well-being. Um, and so being able to, you know, if you're having a conversation with someone in a different energy, to for that extent of the conversation being able to shift into their energy so that you can see eye to eye but then yet being able to shift yourself back out of that when you walk out the door and go back to approaching work the way that you perform best so is there is there practices that one could use like um at home like do, do you recommend certain like i don't know meditation or a certain is there a certain book or something you would recommend when it comes to like this is this is how you build the muscle to do that when you're at work because i would imagine that's not something that you just turn on and off right so what what practices would you say someone could do outside the workplace to to build that muscle memory to do that when they're in the workplace or any environment where they have to do it yeah that's a great question so i actually um, i don't know if i've mentioned this but i work with my dad uh that we co-own our company level five partners together Thank you. And hence the, hence the, you know, generational gap issue as he's obviously a lot older than I am and in a very different generation. Uh, so we do a lot of work in, in that space together, but he's actually the one who, who created the five energies idea through his experience in coaching and his background in martial arts and, and, and spending a lot of time in uh, Southern Asia as well. Mm. Um, and he actually wrote a book called the five energies of horrible bosses. Uh, which is essentially just an idea of how to show up as the best boss you can be or best person you can be in, in general mm -hmm. by using the five energies framework. Um, so for anyone interested in, you know, exploring this topic more, that's definitely a great place to start. Mm -hmm. But as for an, uh, an exercise just to kind of build that muscle um, is to, there, there is this, it's a Tai Chi exercise, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, and what it does is it takes you from your, your neutral center, because that's always, we always want to come back to neutral when we're shifting energies. Mm -hmm. So if you find yourself in inviting, you want to go to neutral before you go to determine and mm -hmm. then back to neutral and then back to inviting, because trying to get that momentum to entirely switch um, from one side of the spectrum to the other is going to be really challenging and, mm -hmm. and difficult. Um, and there are, there are YouTube videos on it actually, um, which I can send you the link if, <laughs> if you'd like, um, that, that show you, you know, the visual process of the Tai Chi exercise, but it's essentially, there's a different Tai Chi movement for each of the energies mm -hmm. and being able to teach your body basically how to be in these different forms of energy, uh, will get you comfortable being in the ones you're uncomfortable in and, and allow you to kind of practice being in the ones that you are comfortable in as well. Mm. That's very interesting. And I'm, I'm going to be including the link to the book in the show notes as well. Thank you for sharing that. So I have to ask, I have to ask, um, have, 
you experience the generational gap in leadership specifically with your father yes yeah <laughs> interesting <laughs> yeah it's it's an interesting so i mean he and i of course we have our father-daughter relationship and then we also have our co-worker relationship which we try our best to keep separate um but as with all family relationships that that kind of does you know inter intertwine a little family business relationships intertwines a little bit um so there will be times where i'll you know be in my typical inviting inviting state for um just coming from me as a daughter and I'll share something with him and then he'll come in with his heavier more determined point of view and I'm like wait wait <laughs> and then we have to take a step back and be like okay where are we where did we go wrong here and then kind of move forward in that way so so did did, did y'all always communicate like that or or was there a time and when I say like that I mean as in the ability to say wait wait let's take a step back or like take us to the moment I guess where you and him came to the ability to communicate in a way where if 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 you were um uh in completely two different energies um to be able to take a step back and talk about it without emotions getting in the way too much or so on and so forth because i think that's a very um i would imagine that's art and so i mean i i would like to know <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I mean, my dad's been in in this space for over 20 years now. Um, so for for almost my whole life, he's been able to to speak to me in that way to be able to kind of take a step back from from, you know, being too involved in what I'm talking about and to be able to kind of look at things from more of an objective point of view, even when there's conflict between us. Mm. Um, as for myself, I would say only even in the last year, maybe less than a year that I've been able to really, you know, notice when when that's coming up and being able to take a step back and, and move forward in the right way mm, right now uh what changed for you for you to be able to realize that was there a growth moment was there a um a period where something uh, uh changed for you where it allowed you to begin realizing that yeah, for me, it was kind of two things is I started really practicing the five energies as it was something that my dad had, you know, talked about before and, and, you know, tried to explain to me, but as with any father daughter relationship, I was at first resistant to it. Um, and this was before he and I were working together. But um, as, as I started kind of diving into his work and, and researching more about this, I was, I started to find that being really helpful in my own work and, and my own life as well. And so I started to really dive into practicing it. And I got really, really committed to, to trying that out every day and trying to change uh, my energy projection. Mm -hmm. And as I started to kind of you know, get, get a little bit more of a stronger grip on it and a bit more practice with it, I was able to start noticing when things were coming up because of our, our mismatch and energy mm. projection. And the second piece of that was also just understanding that my dad is a human being too. Uh, something that, you know, our, we forget about our parents sometimes, but being able to remember that uh, was a, a huge, huge step forward as well. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. So knowing that your organization is a global alliance of uniquely trained coaches, um, I would like to know um, what have you found to be um, a, an effective strategy for generating leads for not just you or your father, but, you know, even the other coaches that y'all worked with? Um, what have you what have you found to be um, effective strategies for generating leads, nurturing leads and, and converting those leads into clients? 
Yeah, that's a great question. For me, I'm a huge building relationships person. Um, that's that's always been very, very important to me because I, I owned a business uh, before this one as well. Um, and for me, being able to build relationships with new people and nurture those relationships and come from a place of what do they need? What do they care about? Rather than how can I sell them something or how can I you know, make money off of them? Um, is is huge and it allows them to build a lot of trust in you and even though that may not con convert to sales immediately um it is going to in the long run put you a lot further ahead with your with your lead generation i, I definitely agree like building relationships is is um extremely important and um you know in my experience when talking with it don't even have to be new coaches or speakers or anything of that nature but just new entrepreneurs or new sales professionals, people with no experience in sales, it's almost like it's easy for them to, you know, just think like, how can I make money from this as opposed to um, actually realizing that it is a relationship and there should, you should be focused on building that relationship um, because at the end of the day, the person is a person and not just a number. So um, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that we think the same on that part. What do you prefer to use to meet those you're looking to do business with um, or build strategic partnerships with? Do you mean like which, which platform? Yeah, like what platform or what method? Um, you know, I know you could look at like older salespeople, they're going to say cold calling. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great great question, um, and that that cold calling piece, I have something to to add to that as well because I, I it's interesting. Um, but for me, it's really um, I do find people who are are cold contacts, but it's I'm not gonna you know immediately my first message being hey here's what I offer, right. um, and I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with cold calling or cold reach outs, but I've just found that for me and the the type of clients I'm looking for that doesn't work mm. um, and that people really want to know you know who you are uh, mm. before you even start talking business so for me uh, my, my initial reach out is cold but it's simply just to say hey here's who I am do you right. want to connect do you want to chat are you open to that um, and then from there really just getting to know them asking questions about them who they are and I think the key for me is not forcing that relationship. If they're, you know, ghosting you or, or not really interested in the conversation, you just kind of, kind of leave it. Right. right, right, right. Uh, but, you know, finding those people that you really connect with and people mm. that, that you get along with is, is really important. Mm. Um, and the cold calling piece that I wanted to add to as well, uh, as I said, I don't think there's anything, anything wrong with it. Um, but what I found in my experience with the energy projection piece too, is that when it comes to business for the older generation, that more determined energy of that, you know, going out of your way, picking up the phone and calling someone you don't know comes from a very determined place, which people on the receiving end of that in the older generation are probably more receptive to. But in our generation, we prefer to be sold to in a way that's like, let me come to you. Let me right. warm up to you and, and move right. towards you, which comes more from that inviting space. Ah, I definitely, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. Now, you you mentioned that you're you're um, not against cold call, which I'm not either. I I definitely prefer to to reach out on like a LinkedIn or or you know a social platform. I just feel like that's really the times we're in. Um, but I'm not against cold calling either. And and so for maybe a young professional listening right now who's they're not against it. They're making cold calls. Um, what? what are like one or two tips 
would you give them for doing it the right way? Um, or, and I guess even a better question is if someone was going to co-call you, what would be the one or two tips for them to do it correctly? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the first thing being to really create that relationship the best you can in the first, you know, little bit of that call to, to not jump right into, into business. And of course, I think this depends on who you're talking to, because as I right. mentioned, older generations would more, more likely want you to just, you know, say what Get you're going to the say. point. You know? right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whereas for me, I would want a little bit of like, who are you? Why is this of interest to me? Um, you know, how, how did you find me? How do we connect here a little bit? And then from there, once that 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 feeling of, of trust is there and kind of a connection, um, then I would be okay with them, you know, pitching or, or telling me whatever they, they wanted uh, to tell me. Definitely. So there, there you have it. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're pitching, you need to warm up to it. You need to, you need to make sure you put in some effort. I'm, I'm very much the same way. I just, um, you know, what's interesting though to me and maybe this, I guess just me, um, I don't prefer cold calls, but I am open to someone who actually comes and knocks on my door, like code knocking on my door. Now I think that has something to do with the, like I used to do door to door sales. And so I'm always kind of fascinated by the, um, how how someone who is doing it right is going to do it versus wrong and and you know i i also too i believe like a big part of that um relationship building piece that you get in person when someone is like knocking on your door whether that's at your home or at a business establishment is that they actually get to see you so they get to you know see if you are being genuine versus if you're just treating them like a number, at least I believe, you know, like I, I, I like to believe that when I see someone in person pitching me, or if I'm pitching someone in person, that the individual on the receiving end of being pitched can actually see like, oh, wow, this person's actually a, a thoughtful person, or oh, wow, mm -hmm. this person's actually a well put together person. And I, I know you can convey that over the phone, but it's harder. It definitely is harder. What would you What would you say is your take on that? Like, would you say that, you know, uh, door to door, like uh, being so that way is like less effective um, than than cold calling, or would you say that it's more effective in a sense? What would you say? Yeah, I, I think it really depends because um, I think with with the calling piece, you can get through more people faster, which I do just, agree with that. Know, statistically speaking, may may result in more more yeses, but potentially not. Because I, I think you do have a point too with the door-to-door -door piece that you you can really see their authenticity, their their genuineness if mm -hmm. if they're showing up with that. Yeah. Um, and them just being there in person establishes a lot more trust than being, you know, someone mm -hmm. who you can't see. So I think it I think it does depend on the situation, but um, as for me personally, I would probably be more likely to say yes to a door-to-door -door salesperson rather than a cold call. Same way. <laughs> Definitely agree. Um, so uh, the final question that I want to finish up with here, um, if there was a principle or practice that we didn't get to um, talk about today that you would like to share that um, you just really believe like the world should know, what would it be? I think, and, and this isn't any any anything special necessarily, because I think a lot of people, especially people in leadership positions and, and entrepreneurs, 
uh, do in their day is having a strong morning routine. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason I say that is because what I found at least is having a morning routine where you take a certain amount of time for yourself to do what you need and to set up your day in the way that you want it to go. It allows you to stop reacting to the world around you and instead to, to be in a place where you're able to respond to decide you know, what's, what's going to help me get to my goal? What should I be responding to? What shouldn't I be responding to? And um, ultimately that puts you in a place of being able to, to kind of build, build your future a little bit better. Mm, definitely agree. Um, yeah. I'm a morning routine type person. Uh, thank you for joining me today on the show. If you don't mind, can you please share with my listeners where they can connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm very active on LinkedIn. It's just my first name and last name, Kilani Donna. Um, and if you want to check out our website, it's www.levelvpartners.com. Um, and then uh, if you want to contact me by email, it's my first name, Kilani at levelvpartners.com. Awesome. I'm definitely going to be including that in the show notes. And um, I, I do want to say uh, your Donna is spelled unique. I've never seen it spelled this way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I just wasn't throwing it in there, but I'm definitely, I'm going to be including the link to your profile in the um, show notes as well. And I want to say thank you again for joining me on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And to my listeners, I hope you not only take something that you um, have learned today, but you also take that and apply it to your daily path. Until next time, have a blessed day. I wanna be unique, got more than my kid I could teach I want you to hear when I speak, I wanna free People imprisoned by stigmas and popular common beliefs Don't want you to think, I want you to feel Look down inside you and tell me what's real If you're unsure, then you're uncured We only get one life, man, it's a big deal Do you love what you do?